Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every good conversation happens. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride from author to author. We want to give you an experience where you learn and enjoy the conversation. Authors tell you about their journey, you learn about new books, and at the end of the day, you go home with a smile on your face because the Author's Porch is a beacon of light bringing you home to the family you never knew you had. We hope that you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every great conversation happens, and it happens because we trusted Brendan and Vomzi at Master Talk to show us the power of effective communication. We also make sure we have a great cup of coffee from Third Day Coffee Seguin, a Christ-centered, veteran-owned coffee company. Today on the show, we have Laura Sabanash. How are you doing, Laura? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for being here. And even though I practiced before we came on, I still I still struggle just to make sure I said it correctly. So La- Laura. <laughs> yes, oh you goodness. did great. Thank you. Oh, guys, let me introduce you to Laura and the wonderful things we're going to talk to on the show today, because it is one of the fields that I studied myself in school. And I wanted to understand a lot about because of the struggles that I dealt with in my own life and in, in my um, home life growing up. But Laura comes to us, highly educated and comp- accomplished within the field of psychology. She wrote the book Cage. She is the author of the book Cage, and she dedicated her life to helping others, beginning in her youth as a volunteer and continuing in her entire career. She has made it a priority to aid individuals in finding Uh, and meeting their emotional, educational, and professional goals. She has been counseling children and families and facilitating civilian and military members in social and educational leadership. So, Laura, I commend you for the things that you have been doing for civilians and our military at home and abroad because it is absolutely phenomenal. And I am excited that you chose our show to come and talk to about not only the things that you were able to help people with in your professional career, but now that you have retired from your civilian and your civil service job, but now you're, you're still wanting to give back by authoring books that will help people as well within the mental health realm. So I want to talk about going all the way back to when you decided to work within this field, what was that pull to want to help people? Sure. You know, I, like uh, you had talked about, I had, you know, I'd always been in helping fields, uh, even when I was in high school and younger. um, My family has always been a part of programs and um, areas where we either did volunteer work or Mm -hmm. Um, getting involved in different areas. I remember when I was uh, younger and we did guide dogs for the blind. Uh, We knew not to foster the dogs because the attachment too great. Uh, We're very much dog people, Mm. but we did participate in programs that um, enabled us to get involved, help other people, 
uh, and that's pretty much stemmed throughout um, my life, um, in my children's lives, and um, in our family altogether. And we continue those, whether it's through different programs today, um, and a variety of them, um, getting yeah. involved in different community efforts. So my education goals actually started quite different when I went to school. I was looking into, um, I actually started as a speech pathologist. Um, really? Um, so it was wildly different, but still yeah. in the healthy fields. Uh, my goals changed as I was in my own personal needs, um, very much like you were talking about, as I saw things in my life that I felt could, um, I, I needed, um, and my education then changed with that, uh, and I continued to pursue that throughout um, my adult lifetime. Mm -hmm. And what I found was, while I wasn't really helping myself, I was helping um, other people in different yeah. mediums, whether it was through education, um, through counseling services, through transition services with military members. And I found that was the most satisfying was to see how um, that information um, could morph itself into um, assisting others. And even if it was just helping somebody and it wasn't in a, um, an employment capacity. Um, and that's even today. So I'm retired, but finding where if somebody needs something, it doesn't have to be a paid role. Um, yeah. But giving For somebody, sure. if, and if they ask, finding somebody that needs help. Yeah. Well, I want to commend you on not adopting the dogs because I ended up with six because I see a dog in need and I tend to bring them home and I can't let them go after that. So <laughs> I think it's very amazing that you were able to do things without bringing all of them home. <laughs> and, and we do too. So we're big into rescues ourselves. Um, mm. This is, I have in with us, we have, I have three, the, I'm on my third rescue and um, my daughters have rescues. And yeah. so for us, you know, I think part of it has to do with where we've come ourselves and, you know, now we've turned it around and, right. um, the rescues have become another outlet for us as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they, they do, they absolutely do. Now, when I was growing up, we didn't help anybody as far as like a job, but we always, anybody that needed help, my grandma always brought them in, gave them a good meal, things like that. Let it, gave them a place to sleep. And growing up, I wanted to be a police officer and then I wanted to be a lawyer. And I, I never thought about psychology. I never thought about that type of stuff until I went through a domestic violence um, situation. It was emotional violence. No, I never had anyone lay their hands on me. And my mom um, went through domestic violence, uh, physical violence. And when I went through mine, I wanted to understand the, the mind because mine had gotten so jumbled up. I wanted to know how and how to fix it. I thought that I could myself, obviously, but that's not right. really something that you can do. But I ended up utilizing the things I was learning, like you said, and helping other people by by just talking and being there and stuff like that. So I, I find it amazing that you said it, it came out of necessity to kind of go into that field by based off of learning and stuff. Can you talk sure. more of um, that necessity type of education? Sure. So when I, when I met my husband, I was, um, I was 19 years old. I was very young. Um, 
and I was home on a, uh, I was home on Christmas break. So I was a sophomore in college and, you know, up until that point, I, my world revolved around, um, a bare, it hasn't changed, um, since then, but a stereotypical college atmosphere of, you know, the parties and, you know, uh, fraternity life, you know, that's, we would go. And, um, so, but we were young and it was very an immature. Everybody was the same kind of. Um, and so when I had come home on a Christmas break, um, I was introduced to uh, my husband by accident because um, he was home on leave. He was active duty at the time and he was so different. He was just um, he was an adult <laughs> and I was not. Um, and I wanted to be part of that world. I thought he was so, I was so enamored by him and, uh, he was fun and we became dating. And as, as the time went on, um, I saw, I began to slip so far into his world that I slipped out of mine mm -hmm. and my original goals, uh, left and, I left school um, to be closer to him. So it was easier for him. And it was less than a year later that uh, we were married. Uh, he was deploying overseas. Uh, so I was now a young bride, a young military wife. And also I found out I was pregnant. And so as I'm now home and I was supposed to um, go with him overseas and join him after he was settled. And it was about a month after he deployed that he had informed me that the military was not allowing me to join him. And so oh, I was goodness. devastated. So now yeah. I'm a young military wife, pregnant now without her husband. And, <laughs> and I, it happens. So I yeah. thought well, the military didn't want me. That's okay. So I had to stay home and, um, I had, we sent pictures and, you know, before social media, before all the long distance calling rates on overseas stuff. Um, and I, we had phone bills like mortgage bills. Yes. Um, and so as time went on, um, and I got bigger and more pregnant, um, and my pregnancy was at, towards the end became difficult. And I had a doctor that put a red cross message in, um, to have him come home. Mm -hmm. And so for years, I believe that's actually how he came home. And it wasn't until after he passed away that I ended up finding out that isn't the reason that he came home. Oh but, goodness. um, so I, he had come home. Um, we now had to adjust as a newly married couple and it was the day he arrived that it was as if I had met a different person. Yep. Um, the abuse was immediate and I was, it was a transition that was so instantaneous, um, you know, between, and, and it, I took it on. Um, to me, I was fat and yeah. he was very clear. Um, I had to pick out where we lived and that was wrong. 
what I decorated was wrong. Um, I, I, every admonishment that he gave me, I took in. And so as I began all of that, um, I realized that, well, I needed to fix that. I needed to fix me. So I changed my education, trying to find ways. How do, how do I fix me? How do I fix us? How do I be a better person? Um, and so on set my course studies, thinking yeah. I, could, I could do that. Um, the fallacy of courses, I couldn't. There's nothing I could have done. Right. Um, so we spent, um, an, uh, and I would call it a roller coaster because in some respects, I took great pride in the times where the roller coaster would go up and life felt good. So I, I felt I was doing something right. Um, our family looked wonderful. We were happy. Um, and then it would crash. And so then I had to go back. I would apologize. Um, I would find things that I, I need to do this better. There's a, a picture collage that I, I look at for the almost 20 years we were together and he looks the same. There are really almost no changes that he has. But for me, I look like it's a rainbow. Wow. Weight of hair colors, of, of, of physical changes. At, at one point, I actually weighed so little that I, as an adult, I fit into the same size clothes as my daughter who was in elementary school. Oh, gosh. So I wasn't even in, I was in children's clothes. And so trying to be skinny enough, curvy enough. Yeah. Um, you know, he would use phrases like I was the smartest, dumbest person he knew. Oh. Or I, towards the end, he finally, it was like the closest to a compliment he could give me, which was, I've gotten so used to you all these years. I, I'm okay looking at you. Mm. And, and well, then came the butt. We have enough money now. So if you'd like to fix all of this, I'll pay for it. Mm. That stuck with me after he passed. Um, and I actually couldn't handle all of that. So I did end up um, changing things because it was an image I couldn't, there were things I couldn't look at because all I could hear was exactly that. Yeah. This doesn't look, this doesn't look. And so um, after so long, you, you don't, you can't, you don't not hear those. Um, so yeah, so the, the education part of it, um, I could be, I started to believe the, I was the dumbest, smartest person. I was so book smart that I couldn't be much of anything else. Um, and yeah. I just never stopped going. I didn't have all of the education because I enjoyed it. I had all of the education because I thought someday it will be better. Yeah. You figured if you 
if you learned enough, you would learn the magic equation to right. fix what was wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, and then eventually at, towards the end um, was when I could, I was able to actually have a real job and not that any of my jobs weren't real. Some of them were so fulfilling and enjoyable. Um, but it was the first full-time um, sustainable position that I had been able to have without feeling that every time something happened, I had to leave, I had to quit, I had to go. Um, and that's when I, I actually realized that I could do better. Yeah. Um, I could do better. I am better. Mm-hmm. That there was inside of me started to realize I could stand on my own two feet. I didn't need somebody else to, I could do it all by myself. Yeah. Um, and so, and part of that was also, I had two young ladies who were coming into their own and this was no longer an image as I started to see that this wasn't the image I wanted them to see anymore either. Yeah. Um, of me cowering or being locked in a room or have things thrown at me. Um, and the, the worst of it was when my oldest had to defend me because mm-hmm. I was locked in a room. And so, you know, there, the voices, it didn't matter how many people knew or how many times I may have confided or even people coming out of, coming out of the woodworks later saying, oh, you know what? We thought we knew. Uh, well, that's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> that doesn't <anyway>. help. <laughs> yeah, I know. But there are also those that I'm absolutely sure had no idea because right. in general, the idea was, is that when we walked out our front door, we, the perception that was required of us was we were the Joneses. Yeah. He dressed Perfect me. Family. Absolutely. He picked my clothes out. He dressed yep. me. He took me shopping. Um, and you know, there was an expectation of, um, this is how, if somebody came to the door, he wanted it to look a certain way if I went out in public. Um, and it got easier over time to just do it. Yeah. I had my lipstick picked out for me. My, my oh. actual makeup picked out for me. I was like, how are, how are you better at this than me? <laughs> right. Like, but I, I left at five years and the divorce was final at seven. So um, for me, it was it was different. And, you know, the physical stuff never happened. So I, I commend you because being able to pull yourself up from that, because I remember laying on the ground, not knowing what was real and what was fake. Like I literally had that psychosis moment going, is this real because of all the lies and the things like that? And, or am I living a fake, like what's real and what's fake? And you're absolutely right. I had a lot of people tell me that I was, I was the liar and I, I, you know, I'm making all this stuff up and and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. 
Now you talk about your daughters and having to be a role model for them and, and change life, change a whole life for them. Your book is based on your true life story. Is that correct? It is. That's correct. Okay. And, and the things that you went through and, um, does it all also have the things that they went through and, and it does, um, for one of the hardest parts for me was in, and I'm sure there are a lot of people that go through this too, that come out of, uh, abusive relationships is in my, for me, I felt I shielded them. I, if I could stand in between, if I could take it behind a closed door, if yeah. I could redirect, then I was the shield. I, I, it was just me. So they could go and it was, there was ignorance for them. And so they, you know, couples argue, they have disagreements and that's normal. Everybody argues, siblings argue, argue, parents argue, parents and kids argue, friends argue so that there's a normalcy in that. Yeah. So in my mind, I, it was me. And, but to, to hear how much more involved and, and you, you do realize that children are, are not, they're not stupid. Nope. Um, and they are hearing and they are knowing, and there is a fear involved in that um, for, for the person that is having to deal with it. And then to find out things that were because they didn't want it to come back more on me. So they stopped telling me, they didn't want to tell me things that were also occurring. Um, and so that, that was, that was very upsetting afterwards. And um, it, it took a long time um, for me to, we, we have very open communication. We talk about everything very, um, uh, you know, there, there's no secrets. There's, there's no, um, there's no rose colored glasses, but to find out that things were on their end also, um, yeah. what was very upsetting for me because you don't want your kids to experience and the stories that they have to be, um, the same. And yeah. so there are, uh, you know, there, that, that was the, that was the hardest part for me. Yeah. I it's can, really I hard can move forward with my, I can work and process mine, Yeah, but I never wanted them to have that kind of process. Yeah. It's hard as a mother, um, to know that your child went through something that you, you feel that you could have protected them from, but because you didn't know that it was going on, that, that you didn't, because you couldn't. Um, and that, that's, that's, that's very heartbreaking as a mother. Um, and it just breaks my heart, you know, it, it really does. But I, I, I definitely understand it. Um, one of the things that that I didn't realize until my children were older. They're both in college now. Um, I'm empty nesting and totally loving it. I love my kids, but I'm yeah. totally loving the empty nesting. Um, 
I didn't seek help for the things that I went through. I was a single parent while on active duty. Uh, once I split from the kid's father, who was also active duty. And because everyone thought I was lying about everything, I was ridiculed as the female. And now I was a single parent. I didn't get help for the trauma. So it seems that some of my trauma wore off on the kids. And I was, um, I wouldn't, I was, I didn't abuse them, but I was kind of harsh on them. And, and I, I was gone all the time with my military career. So when my daughter went away to college, she, she told me that I was kind of toxic and that really broke my heart because I thought I, I had done good. I raised them on my own. We traveled around the world and things like that. And I thought I did all that to get you guys away from him before things got really bad because when we did split things did get bad and threats on my life happened and things like that sure. so did when when after your um husband passed did you guys go through some of those struggles where where the trauma of the years that you went through all of that um kind of happen with your girls or did you guys were you able to seek help and and deal with that traumatic experience sure we you know the after after he passed things became very explosive and you know the outside entities that we ended up dealing with became very overwhelming for us and um yeah. you know there were it created a, a cohesive bubble for us in some respects. And so while, you know, there, there are some people who would say, well, at least you don't have to deal with him anymore. And I, I'm like, mm, no, actually I deal. It's yes. Yeah. We will always deal with it. Yeah. Um, it never leaves you. Uh, mm -hmm. But then I also traded it for a lot of other while I was at it. And yeah. so did they. And it's and we lost a lot of things in the process so and you're right but pe people who come out who who kind of joined a bandwagon with what well, you're lying he was a wonderful person he was a wonderful father he was a one he was a pillar of the community um and it's uh, there was nothing i wrote about that i don't have a document for yeah and um and and he wasn't he wasn't a good military person he got kicked out Mine and too. <laughs> so, and I'm like, but we all yeah. want to glorify. I, you know, yeah. he was, and I didn't find these. The the man I thought I knew after he died, it was like all of this stuff started coming out about him, and I I was like, oh, I don't even know if I even knew who he was. Mm. So, um, so it it was like we had the trauma, but then we had trauma and trauma and trauma. Yeah. So we, our bond became really close. We became very honest. We shared. Mm -hmm. um, the therapy is very important. That's our awesome. support, support network is also finding therapy of people who are really, um, who really understand domestic violence has mm -hmm. been, was it a struggle? And, you know, it was one of the, one of the reasons besides finding that, you know, getting a voice was difficult and then therapy, it, it, you know, there are, I, I know I'm not alone because I've had these conversations with many people, you know, there are therapists all over the place. 
but a therapist who really understands um, domestic violence and trauma and the long effects from it. And, yeah. you know, we just don't get over it um, and what that means and communication. And, you know, I just don't need to sit in a group sometimes. So I have great days and I have not so great days. Um, yeah. And you're right. It, the idea that, you know, when it's not dealt with, because some days I'm not, a, I'm not a nice person some days. Mm -hmm. And but I, because I do work with somebody and we do communicate, we do understand what that means. Mm -hmm. um, you know, complex PTSD is very different than PTSD. And for, um, you know, sexual assault and um, domestic violence and child abuse survivors, you know, those effects bleed into our lives well beyond just um, the moments that, you know, somebody embrace, you know, deals with um, traumatic events. And it's just now getting attention. It is. Yeah. I, and I think it's sad that it's just now getting attention. I just want to let you know that we've had people watching. Um, and I think they're very quiet because um, your story is very heartbreaking, but also very inspiring. Um, but we did have one audience member speak up, Joanne Angelberry Cologne, Reverend Joanne Angelberry Cologne, who's a good friend of mine and is a um, columnist in the Author's Porch magazine that we have. She says, do we ever really know who we live with? And, and she's absolutely right, because there are moments you, you can live with somebody your whole life and find out something new about them. I mean, I'm, I'm married now for nine years to um, my best friend, you know, which one of the great things that, that happened out of um, d divorce and my kid's biological father was I was able to find my best friend and marry him. And we've been married for nine years now. Um, and, you know, there, we still find things out about each other all the time. And I think that it's important that I did learn after going through all of that, I was able to learn so much about myself, um, studying psychology and learning to get the help. And after I retired, it wasn't until after I retired that I started learning more about myself and getting help and just reaching out to people. And I think it's phenomenal that even though you worked within that field in your civil service and, and then civilian job, you're still wanting to help people by writing those books and telling your story in a book and putting it out there for everyone to see. It, it's very hard because a lot of people are scared to let people know the, the, the very raw details of their life. So um, your book is out right now, correct? It is. Yes. Okay. It was released at the end of November. Okay, awesome. Do you have a copy of it there? I know we put the the flyers out. Okay, good. Yay. Because when I saw the cover, I thought spot on because it's yeah. something that nobody wants to talk about. Everyone says hush. And I actually had a supervisor when I went to talk to them. He was like, hey, don't don't tell me what's going on. I don't want to have to be and this is his exact words. I don't want to have to go to court if this if this thing goes south. And I was like, and I knew at that moment that I, I had to, you know, keep everything in. I was like, are you serious? So, yeah, the cover was definitely spot on. You know, it's funny. It, well, it's not funny, but it is kind of. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I had a conversation and uh, 
the, there was a comment that was made in this conversation because, you know, they passed along. Somebody said, oh, my gosh, you know, Laura wrote a book. And and then when they were kind of talking in this conversation and the comment was, oh, that's that's kind of a depressing topic. And I was like, hmm, yes, it is. And, <laughs> you know, um, and it, she's, you know, the, and the kind of the following with it was she put that all out there. And yeah, yes, yes, I did. And it's like, it is a depressing topic. And it's depressing that it's even something that is a topic to be had. We should yep. be depressed. We should be we should be offended by the actual thought that this is how we treat one another. Absolutely. And um, and it does, it's not even about women. Yeah. yeah no, it's not. Oh no. I, I was, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, it's not about just women. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, it, it's across the board. It's across socioeconomic. It's across, um, you know, it doesn't matter what you look like, what you wear, you know, uh, how much money you make, where you live. It's, yeah. it's a problem everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what people don't realize is we hurt each other every single day and, and so much that it seems commonplace. In 2019, I was sitting here having a regular day and at two o'clock in the morning, I get a call from my mom and I'm like, mom, it's two o'clock in the morning. Why are you awake? Are you drinking again? And my mom's wild and crazy anyways. And she goes, no, Christina Kelly's in the emergency room. She's not going to make it. You need to come home. And I said, what happened? Um, She was murdered by her boyfriend from domestic violence. Um, She laid on the floor of her bathroom for over 17 hours um, he had beat her to death and the cops had to break down the door to try to rescue her, but she didn't make it. And that's what happens. You know, we're lucky that we're still here, but every day we have to live knowing the things that we doubted ourselves right. for, you know, and I love that you put that book out. I love that you have the strength to tell that story. And, you know, a lot of people say that's a depressing topic. <laughs> you know what I say? Imagine living through it, you know, because I put comedy in everything I do because it's how, it's my coping mechanism. And I don't do it to diminish yeah. the topic, but it's, it's how I cope with stuff because it, it helps me deal with the fact that I don't want to be sad and depressed, but I want you to be aware because if you're aware, then maybe you'll see the signs in another person. So what is your next project? This book is out there. It's going to take over the world because everyone needs to know about what's what's happening behind the closed doors in the perfect Jones families out there that have to paint on their faces because it's happening to a lot of people. Well, what's your what other projects are you working on? Uh, so currently, I'm as I'm I'm getting the book out right now, and um, kind of my focus to get out there, talk, advocate, and um, you know, moving forward, I would like to get involved in deeper advocacy projects and speaking engagements, so that you know, as I'm, you know, delving into these these areas, I think there's a real the, the generations don't change in certain areas. Domestic violence doesn't change. Yeah. You know, 
how the individuals um, meet up and get swept away, it doesn't change. Um, our, the way we dress and how we talk might change, but this doesn't. And um, so getting involved and starting to get people to see and hear, um, you know, it's not a learn from my mistake, but just hear from the perspective and understand that these are very real. Um, and I would like to see more people. There's a hard time with um, survivors at times coming out and speaking and even writing the books. And it's not that there aren't uh, a few out there. There's quite a few. Um, but getting out and speaking sometimes becomes difficult for the backlash. Um, and I know that I'm not necessarily... Um, you know, it, it doesn't absolve me from coming out and speaking. It's just that I'm, I'm no longer interested in not speaking. So if the backlash comes with it, I've been silenced long enough. And mm -hmm. it's more important for me for somebody to not get to where I got. I'm just typing that quote because it's extremely powerful. I'm no longer interested in not speaking. Lara M. Savinosh. That was powerful. Like, I really like that. I really like that. That was a very powerful quote. So I just made sure I put that in the comments. But what advice would you have to another author who has, who, just like you said, is no longer interested in not speaking up. You know, the, um, I think there's a, a myth that you come up with an idea, um, you're impassioned about something, and um, next day you just boom, pop out a book. Uh, it's the be passionate, um, have something, um, whether it's fiction, not fiction, um, but understand the process is time and dedication and, you know, really taking an investment into it. it. It did take me time. And when you're doing a memoir like this, um, it's very cathartic, but it is also, you are really delving into a side of yourself that um, you may not have, you're reliving those moments. So mm -hmm. with areas of trauma, um, tragedy, um, make sure that you're doing this with a great support network because it does become very consuming and overwhelming at times. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I agree with you. Where can people reach you at Laura, if they want to grab a hold of your book, uh, speak to you or just see what you have coming up. Sure. I'm, I'm on social media. Um, but the best way you can check out so you know where to go to all of these is my website and it's my name. So www.larasabinosh.com. Um, and you can link to all the major um, for books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and also my social media accounts. 
Awesome. I went ahead and typed those in the comments as well. So we make sure that everyone can just click right on it. It makes it really easy. But when we're on the podcast format, they'll be able to um, type it in themselves. So this is the part with the show where I hand it over to you. You take charge of the show. I'll take myself off screen. You have two to three minutes to any say anything that we didn't cover in the show that you want to make sure that gets out there to the world. So I'm going to hand it over to you. All right. Thank you. No problem. There you go. Thank you so much today for joining us. And um, I would just like to say for those of you that are struggling right now um, in domestic violence situations, you're not alone. There are those of us out there who um, have, have been there and we are there with you. I encourage you to be safe um, and take a step back um, before, um, before you do anything. Please find a good support network. There are um, um, organizations that are out there, um, the No More campaign, um, domestic violence hotlines, local shelters in your area. And I encourage you to speak with someone. Um, if nothing else, speak with somebody that you find trusted. Um, but please reach out for help um, because your life is better for it. Amen. Laura, thank you so much for coming on tonight, sharing your light, your wonderful story, uh, heartbreaking, but it's wonderful as well, because it's one of our survivors, somebody who is never going to give up, who survived the very thing that was supposed to take them down, but turned it into a story to help somebody else come through something that is going to try to tear them apart. So thank you so much for sharing with us tonight. I am excited that your book is going to touch somebody's life in a transformational way. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for being here, everybody. Uh, uh, don't forget to come back each week or the podcast right here on Facebook. You can ask Siri or Alexa to play our latest episode. Head to our website, catch the issue of the magazine, which came out the 1st of January. Head over to Amazon. You can read it free on Kindle. We want to continue making authors' dreams come true by providing them a platform to shine. We'll see you guys next time. And if you like conversations the way we do and want to become a better speaker, visit our friends Brendan and Vomsey at mastertalk.ca where they teach you how to use the power of your voice. Don't forget, stay awake with a nice cup of coffee from Third Day Coffee Seguin, the best cup of coffee on this side of heaven at thirddaycoffeeseguin.com. Until next time, my friends, I'm CJ. That is Laura. Go read her books and write on. The Author's Court is a certified veteran-hosted podcast. Show your support. Tune in, share, and subscribe.